Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. We've been walking through this series called Senses and the Soul. The book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth. And one of the things that I, I looked up this week is just realizing how large of a city Corinth was at the time. I think sometimes in my mind, when I read things like Corinth, I'm thinking about some little village like Prattville. Uh, Right around the time Paul was writing this, uh, Corinth was the second largest city in all of Europe. It was a big, big place, and a place filled with all kinds of of things. And so the church there was was struggling with all of the outside influences, plus they were new Christians, and they were kind of like, that group of Christians, that church there, they were like that one teenager that you have. You know, I have four kids, and when they were going up through, uh, there was always the one, you know what I'm talking about, the one that you worried about the most, the one that you went, like if somebody went like, hey, I need to talk to you about your kid, you knew which one they were talking about before you you know that that kid so that church was like that church and he was always having to like go you need to be more mature than you are you're struggling with things you're having issues with each other you're having moral issues you're having issues with how you should develop in in your walk with God and he was always trying to help them uh, be more mature in their walk with Christ and so we've been examining some of those things and examining how our senses fit into this we've talked about the sense of smell we've talked about vision we've talked about the sense of feeling today we're going to talk about hearing now as he talks about hearing let me share with you we're going to we're going to walk through chapters eight and nine and i want you to see some verses and i'm going to jump around austin so just bear with me i want you to see some verses that deal with his you know, hearing with what he wants you to hear. So in chapter 8, verse 1, you see this phrase. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. When he's getting them, trying to help them mature, he says, let me tell you about these other churches in this other area over here in Asia Minor, and let me tell you what they've done in regards to what I want to talk to you about. He says, I really want you to know. Notice the language of, I need to tell you something, I want you to listen to me. He uses another phrase in verse 10 when he talks about this. He says, here is my advice. Like, I want you to listen to me. There's something I need to tell you, and I need you to listen. He said, other people listen. I have a fellow young preacher named Titus. And in verse 17, he said, Titus welcomed our request that he visit you. Like I asked him, he listened to me, he's coming. But I need you to listen to me, all right? Because I want to talk to you about a topic that's kind of difficult to talk about. If you're a guest here today, I I want to say to you, I'm going to talk about giving. And you're going to go, I knew it. I knew if I showed up on this Sunday, this is what he would talk about. Let me explain to you. I don't talk about giving a lot other than the natural flow of what I don't grab it and go, we need to talk about giving because the money's low. That's not what we do here. But we are walking through 2 Corinthians. And in chapter 8 and chapter 9, here's the setting. There, there, as Paul has gone on these missionary journeys, he's explaining to them that the church in Jerusalem is struggling 
the same religious leaders who murdered Jesus, right? Still, many, many of them did not convert after Jesus resurrected. And they were still in power, and they were still giving a very difficult time to the new Christians there. Sure, why not, Kenny? Thank you. You're so generous. He's just walking in. Yeah, thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Thank you. So he's listening to my voice going, that guy's struggling. Uh, So they have been going around and taking up an offering for the Christians, the church in Jerusalem. So when he'd gone through Corinth before, they had gotten excited about that and said, well, we want to help them. It's kind of weird Jerusalem was the center of where this all took place. This is where Jesus was crucified. This is where he was resurrected. But a lot of those first believers from Pentecost Sunday were from, they had traveled there for a holiday weekend, the Passover weekend, and they'd gone back to their home places. And the gospel spread throughout the world. But Jerusalem was struggling. Some of these other cities and the churches there, they were doing much better. They, they had more. Okay? And, and so they were taking up an offering for them. And so the church at Corinth said, we want to we be a part of the offering. Okay, We want to do it too. We want to take up the offering. Well, it had come to the point where now Titus and some others are about to pass through Corinth. And Paul is writing them and saying, hey, uh, remember the offering? That was a year ago. Y'all talked about it. You haven't actually sent the offering yet. Like you said you would give the offering, you said you would, but you hadn't sent it yet. When they come through, they're going to pick up the offering. So it'd be really embarrassing if they showed up and you didn't have the offering ready. And so make sure you get, now why is he telling them that? Well, can you imagine, when I'm hearing this, I'm hearing me talk to one of my teenagers when they were teenagers, right? Hey, make sure you've got your stuff together because this is happening at this time Get it, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's what he's doing, and he's talking to them about this. Now, of course, as soon as I mention giving, sometimes I feel like, I don't know if it's true, I feel like some people like cringe because, uh, you know, talking about giving. Giving's really personal. And, but what, what I really want to talk to you about is generosity. It's not necessarily giving, it's generosity. Um, because the Lord puts in us a generous heart. When we're following Jesus, he's a giver. The guy on the screen, uh, the, the skateboard rocker, he said their new ministry is based on John 3.16. Well, John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that he, what? Gave. He has a generous heart. And who gave? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? He gave his life for our sins. All right, so it's like God has this heart of generosity. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then I'm following someone who has this generous, sacrificial heart. So I want to talk to you about generosity and what, what it means to be generous. Now, I know the difficulty in that is that sometimes we struggle with the concept of like, I think I need everything I have. Like, I don't have enough to do everything I want to do. Well... Let's go back. Here's where I'm jumping around, Austin. Let's go back to our theme verse for this whole series. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 is where Paul said, 
that Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul responded, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, we love that scripture when we're talking about being weak, like emotionally, and we need, we need his strength, right? We love that when we feel like we're weak dealing with some issue, we want God's power to step in. Well, it applies to everything. It also applies to generosity. So if we struggle, if your heart struggles with generosity, then what do I need? Well, I need the Lord's power. I need the Lord to help me because He has a generous heart to help me. Now, some of you are naturally more generous than others. Let me explain to you. Let me share with you my wife and I. So I am naturally stingy. I'm stingy in a bad way, okay? I've told this story often. I'll tell it again, but it's the best way I can describe the way I used to be, okay? I used to, if I had a pack of gum, I would never pull out the pack of gum in front of other people to get a piece of gum. Why? Yeah, because then you have to share. You have to take it out and go, does anyone else want a piece of gum? And I was so stingy that I did not even want to share a piece of gum. It was my gum. It was for me, and I might need it. Now, some of you are sitting there going, yes, I totally relate to that. Yeah, and the people who are thinking that are probably 12. That's okay. Um, Now, on the other hand, My wife is the opposite of that. She's very generous. She would give away all the gum. She would pull out gum and go, does everybody want gum? And she pulled it out because she wanted gum. She would give away all the gum and not have any left over. So first of all, even if I, I have learned to be more generous, but I'm still taking my first piece of gum before I share the gum, okay? But, you know, sometimes we feel like we don't, have enough. Now, some of you, you have a generous heart, naturally. Some of you don't. The cool thing is that even though if I'm weak in my ability to be generous, or in any other area of my wife, it's okay if I'm weak because what I really need anyway is not for me just to get stronger. I need the Lord's power in my life. So, Paul begins to talk to them. He says, "What is he when he's saying, I want you to listen to me, I want you to know What I'm talking to you about, he's talking about generosity. And he tells them about this other group of Christians in Macedonia. Verse 1, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Listen to the language. I want you to know what God has done through these people. All right? Now, he says that what they've done is... That they are being tested, these people, by many troubles, and they are very poor. So these Christians over in this other area, they're very poor. He says, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. You know my voice is not going because Sanford and all, it's not 
I didn't have anything to do with that. <clears throat> it wasn't that close. I didn't think it would be. But <clears throat> so let's talk about his. So he's talking to these and he's saying, I want you to listen to what God has done through them. Because I want God to do the same in you. So he describes to them and he says, first of all, I want you to know they gave now, not when they thought they could give. In other words, he said they gave out of poverty. These people are very poor. They don't have an abundance. It's not like they were sitting there going, one day when we have more, we'll give. One day when we get to this point, we'll give. Now, a lot of people tell themselves that story. They go, I know I'm not giving now, but one day later, I'll give because I'll be in a better position to give and I'll do better then. But I need to tell you something. That day never comes. It doesn't come. You either have a generous heart or you don't have a generous heart. It's not tied to how much you have. It's tied to your heart. So people who are poor statistically give more than people who are rich. Isn't that weird? What, what states per capita give the most to charity? Mississippi and Alabama. The poorest states. All right? Why? Because people who don't have, it doesn't have anything to do with, with, with how much you have. It has to do with how generous is your heart. How much do you care about other people? What, what do you think about? And so they gave even though they were poor. Perlene and I have been having these discussions lately. So now my kids aren't teenagers. They're in their 20s. Well, they don't have much. They, you know, they don't have much vacation time. They don't have the ability to go anyway. You know, they, you know, whatever. And so the, one of the arguments we have, not an argument, but it's sort of like, I said, like, Perlene, we should go. And she's like, well, don't you think the kids will want to go? And I would go, I go, they can't go. They don't have enough money to go. She goes, well, then we should pay for them to go. And I'm like, no, we shouldn't. They can't get off work anyway, right? They can't get off work. They have those kind of jobs. They were, you remember? And so we talk about that, like, you know, those times when you didn't have as much. So I'm going to tell you something. So the marriage conference is coming up. So it cost 160 bucks or something like that and, uh, to go to the marriage conference. And I want you to go. I really want you to do that. I think it'll be awesome. And so she was talking about it, and she said, that's a lot of money. I said, it's not that much money. She goes, it's a lot of money. You remember when we were poor, and we didn't have, you know, much like that? You know, we didn't have as much as we have now. I was like, yeah, but my hamburger costs three bucks now, and it costs 12 bucks now. You know, it's like, you know, and she's like, whatever. She said, I want to pay for somebody to go. Okay, this is her, not me. I don't want to pay for somebody to go. She wants to pay for somebody to go. I said, fine. Pay for somebody to go. So what we're doing is, of all the people who are registered for the conference, uh, when the conference gets here, we're going to draw one couple's name out, and Perlene's going to refund your money. That's Perlene. She's generous, okay? So, but it doesn't matter what you get. It matters do you have a generous heart. Don't wait till you think, well, when I have more one day, I'll give. No. You give according to what you have. God looked at Moses from the burning bush and he said, lead my people out of it. He said, what am I going to do? What do I have? 
And he goes, what do you have? He said, I have this stick. And God said, with my power and your stick, we can do it. Disciples came to Jesus one day, and they said, you want us to feed these thousands of people? And he goes, they said, all we have is this one boy's lunch. And he goes, that's fine. With one little lunch and my power, we can feed a multitude. God says that over and over again. You go, but I don't have enough. Yes, you do, if you're generous. Do you believe in the power of God that He is capable of doing what He can do in your life? Or do we hoard what we have and go, I can't afford to trust God. I want to trust Him to save my soul. I want to trust Him to fix this situation. I want to trust Him in all kinds of areas. But when it comes to this money thing and dollars and cents, I don't want to trust you. I don't believe in your power. And so this is a difficult dilemma for us. And so he's talking to an immature group of Christians who said at one time, in emotion, we want to give to that offering. And he goes, I don't think y'all have taken up the money yet. <laughs> you know, And they're coming to get the money. You might ought to take up the offering. Let me remind you what these people did. Now, these people are very poor. But they gave now. Not when they thought they could later, they wanted to give. And he says some other things about the way they gave. In verse 2, he says, They're being tested by many troubles. They're, they're poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy. These people are filled with joy. They gave joyfully. They want to give. They are loving it. One of the things we begin to figure out in life is we begin to figure out the joy in giving. The look on somebody else's face. The joy in seeing what they do. And you end up not missing it. You know, the truth is, I probably would never miss the pack of gum. Right? You're just thinking, I'm going to want it. And you don't want to give it away. When the truth is, in giving it to someone, and the joy they have from receiving, it's better. And you're not going to miss it. When you're giving from a joyful heart. It says in verse 2, they gave in generosity, it says that it, it overflowed in rich generosity. What a weird term to talk about very poor people. That's what he said. Very poor people, and they gave in rich generosity. It's not how much. Go to the Old Testament, read the book of Job. It's very interesting. Because Job, the whole time, he's going through this terrible time, and he is complaining to God the whole time. He's arguing to God. Arguing to God. God, why are you doing this? What's up? He's doing this. And the whole time, at the end, God says to Job's friends, if you want somebody to, if you want me to be right with me, you better get Job to pray for you. He has honored me. How has he honored you? He's been whining and complaining the whole time. How has he honored you? I'll tell you how. He kept talking to God. He was complaining, but he was complaining to God. He never turned his back on God. He kept talking to God and trusting God. And even though he was struggling, he trusted Him and he talked to God. And eventually he came around to the, to the attitude of God, you're in charge. Keep praying, he said. Keep praying. Keep talking to God. Just don't turn your back on God. 
What, what do you mean rich generosity? Because God's not measuring the number on the bottom line. He's measuring how much do you trust me? How generous are you? What do you have? A stick? Well, can I have the stick? Do you trust me with the stick? How much do you have? Well, I just have this. Well, do you trust me with that? Will you trust God? They gave generously. They gave so generously, it says in verse 3, I testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They gave sacrificially. They didn't just give what they could afford. They gave more. This is the attitude. And he said, I want you to give like that. I want you, the immature group, to look at those people, and I want you to give like they did. In fact, he says in verse 4, they gave because they wanted to give. Verse 4 says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift. Now I can picture this in my head. Paul and them, Paul shows up to the churches in Macedonia to a people he's describing as very poor. I don't think there's anybody in this room that you might describe yourself as very poor. Okay? But you, you've been around someone and you, that you might describe as very poor. And, and so Paul walks up in this church, a group of people that are very poor, and he, I don't think he mentioned the offering. And they mentioned it. Hey, we heard you were taking up an offering for the people in Jerusalem. And Paul's sitting there going, well, kind of we are, and they're in need, but you're as poor, if not poorer, than they are. And they said, well, are you not going to take up an offering here? He's like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's good. Well, I thought you were taking up an offering we, everywhere you went. Well, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. And they said, but, but we, we want to give too. And he's thinking like, no. Have you ever been in those arguments where I'll take the check? No, I'll take the check. No, I'll take the check. Right? Right? Perlene and I had that discussion. We're going to meet. Again, she's going, we're paying for this, aren't we? And I was like, are we? You know? You don't want to get in that tug of war with me. You could do it with Perlene, but if you get in it with me, like the, you say, I'll pay the bill, I'm like, all right. Be my guest, right? Now they're like, we want to give an offering. We want to participate. And he's just like, okay. It's backwards. It's not him going, will y'all give, will y'all give, will y'all give? He's like, no. And I think the only reason he's, given the, he's bringing this up to the church in Corinth is he's not begging them for money. He's saying, you said that you were going to give, and they're coming to get the offering. So I'm just warning you. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a heads up. But if you're going to give, I would like you to give like they give. So that's, that verse I read to you said, here is my advice, verse 10. He's talking about what you pledged. He said, it would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. They, they, in the emotion of a moment, they said, we want to do this, we want to do this. But then they hadn't done it. And now time has passed. So some, sometimes we do that. I want to be a generous giver. I want to be a tither. I want to return to God what he's given to me. And we say, okay, God, I'm going to do this thing. But then stuff starts happening in your life. And you withdraw. You change your mind. 
you do things differently. Why? Well, money's always tight. Isn't money always tight? You know? <clears throat> I got this truck. I love my truck. It's a 2017 Honda Ridgeline. I love it. Okay? It's the nicest vehicle I've ever owned. All right? And uh, so it's doing this weird thing, this transmission thing. <gasps> so I go to, I'm taking it to the Honda place on Wednesday. And here's the verdict. It's possible that there is a software update that will take care of this and they're going to do a few other things and it could be like a $500 problem. Or it's like an $8,000 problem. So, Come to Bible study Wednesday night and you can read my expression <laughs> and you'll know. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of stuff never stops. Does that ever stop? No, it just never stops. And so at what point do we say, oh, I have a kid in college or, oh, I'm building a house or, oh, I have this thing. And we go like, well, now at this point, I don't know if I can trust God with what I pledged. See, I just, I don't believe, I can't do that. I believe God is God, and I believe that when I've pledged and said, like, Lord, everything I have is yours, and everything I have is because of you, and I work hard, and I've tried to become the best I can be at what I'm good at, and that has a trade-off, right? If you're good, if you become really good at something, People will pay you to do that thing, right? That's what we do. But all of that, with all the things we have going on, like to me, God's blessed me with all that. The opportunities, the gifts, the talents, everything about it. And it's His, and I just return a portion to Him, and He wants my heart to be generous like His is. So how do I do that? Do I give what is pledged? So... I want to go to the promise. I want to skip to the promise. God makes a promise to us in chapter 9. This is what he says in verse 6. This is his promise in giving. Paul says to them, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is his promise, right? He says, But you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So let me pause right there. Listen to what he's saying. He's like, look, here's the principle. This is a principle. You hold back, then God holds back. You're generous, God's generous. He has a generous heart. He wants you to be like him. And so don't give up. He says, but I don't want to pressure. I don't want you to give because you feel pressure to give. I want you to give cheerfully joyfully with this understanding let's finish verse 8 God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others God's math doesn't work the same as our math our math says I have this and if I give it away then I have less God's math works this way if you give away something in my name, because I'm compelling you to do it, and you give it away, then I will replenish it, and I will replenish 
with more and your heart will be filled with joy. But you have to trust me. So all through scripture, he says, give first to me. He started with the agricultural society, right? A new little lamb is born. Give that to me. The first one. You're going out and getting the crops out of the field. You need to eat. Give the first to me. Everything, always give the first to me. Trust me. Trust me. I will provide all you need. He says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You will be enriched, enriched in every way so you can always be generous. I want you to be generous. I'll make sure you have what you need to be generous. And we're about to close with a song. And the song is about Jesus Christ, the one who's ultimately generous. And the second verse of this of this uh, song says that we've been ransomed that we've been purchased with the price of his life he's the generous one and my challenge to you is to rip apart the stingy heart the stingy heart that says, I'm keeping my gum in my pocket. The stingy heart that says, I don't know if I can trust you, God. And, and literally, practically, become a generous person. Give. Give what you have. Trust God. He will bless you. He will take care of you. You can do it. You can do it. Because He will do it. You say, I'm weak. Paul says, it's better to be weak. Because then you get to experience His power. And you'll experience in this realm as well. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.